Hey, all cheaters, and welcome to the Always Cheating Podcast. My name is Josh. I'm here with Brandon. Brandon, how are you? Doing well, Josh. Uh, I can't believe how much time we have left before Game Week 23 is actually over. Yeah, 17 days, something like that. <laughs> and and for, for FPL managers such as yourself, Josh, captaining Dennis, you probably wish this game week were just over uh, right now anyhow. Oh, for sure. Yeah. 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 That's right. It's 13 days until game week 23 is over, uh, which, yeah, I, I have to like hope for some miracle. Like they're going to review the video and decide uh-huh. that, that uh, Emmanuel Dennis didn't actually uh, foul the player. And he do. I don't know. The, I, I'm, I'm holding out hope for a miracle here. Yeah. Uh, but I also have Sissoko. Uh, who you know has been my fifth, my my final bench spot, who finally uh, gave me a start this week. You know, people laugh at Sissoko about how uh, how high he kicks the ball into the parking lot. Mm-hmm. He did score a goal, but of course, there's always there's always a but when it comes to Sissoko. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> it, was, it was a it was a nice goal he scored, but he was offside. But yeah. I thought he looked pretty good. So if, yeah. if you've got Sissoko going into that Burnley fixture, why not? Dare to dream, I think. I was debating between him and Trossard. I threw Trossard on my bench and yeah. Trossard's on two points. So that's a, a net one if if you know at the very least. Um so um, well, Brennan, uh, very excited because uh, even though we do have two weeks until the break, we thought we would mix up our content a little bit and kind of not do the standard game week preview type stuff yeah. uh, just because there was such a long gap. And so it seemed like a great time for us to do something uh, that was a little bit different and talk a little bit about, um, you know, just what I feel like is is. I mean, I don't want to over like overblow it or whatever. But overblow it. That's I don't think that's an expression. <laughs> I don't want to oversell it. Yeah. Uh, but it does feel like we're seeing data just like a data revolution in in, fan, in fantasy sports in general. But I think, you know, and that's been happening for a while, but I think in the fantasy Premier League game, I think we've mm-hmm. really seen it come, come through in the last, you know, I don't even know, 18 months or so, probably really with the start of the pandemic, I'd say it honestly is really when things got started. And so uh, we have a special guest on the podcast today. Brendan, do you want to introduce him? Yeah, we want to welcome Sartalp Chai, who comes to us by way of Turkey slash Raleigh, North Carolina. Sartalp, thanks for joining us in this week's Always Cheating. How are you? I'm good. Thank you, uh, Brandon and Josh. Thanks for having me here. Josh, you you came to uh, know Sartalp through this article that he posted recently. What what drew you in, my friend? What what drew me in? What drew oh, well, you into this 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 article and this data revolution that we're talking <laughs> about? Yeah, well, the article was called "A Friendly Introduction to FPL Analytics," and I it was it was the perfect title for me uh, because mm-hmm. I. You know, I there's a there's a kind of and, and this is I mean you see this kind of across the board in, in any area where there's 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 specialists. Um, there's a kind of once people get into that world, there's often like kind of a contempt for everyone who sort of thinks <laughs> differently than them, right? It's like oh, like there, there I feel like there's some people who are like very into data, and this is true, like in, in, you know, in, in all kind. I mean, you see this like in just major league baseball, yeah. right? Like in sort of all sports, this happens, and it's like if you're not looking at the game the right way, they're sort of contemptuous of you. And um, I felt like this article was going the other way, which is hey, like let me try to bring you in, you know, let me try to show you right, right, how, right. how this can be valuable, and I think. I think it would help almost everybody. I mean, I think that you can, you know, these even these managers who think that like, oh, I'm just totally doing everything on instinct and I'm not really paying that much attention. They're almost always looking at some sort of data point, right? Mm-hmm. And it's something. And they just don't think of them as, as stats or data, right? Even yeah. Sometimes I feel like I, I manage mostly on instinct, but I, if I needed tiebreaker, uh, picking between two players, that's when the data comes into it. But Sartal, you, you do statistical analysis professionally as your job. 
but you're also a football fan. So tell us a little bit about your background and, and how you came to put this article together and, and how you approach your FBL team. Sure. Um, I work as an operations research specialist at SAS Institute, and I develop optimization models for business problems for a variety of sectors uh, at work. And this is my second season playing FBL, actually. Oh, wow. And uh, so I'm coming from a different place. So I was applying analytics to other kinds of problems. And then a colleague of mine actually mentioned uh, FPL. I wasn't really watching or following football very closely, but he mentioned there is this game. Would you be interested in this? <laughs> and he knew. Did he that take you down a, like a dark blind alleyway and open up a trench? Goes, yeah, like yeah. I've got a game you might want to play. <laughs> exactly. So he knew I would be using my analytical methods uh, for FPS. So he was curious if I can beat him uh, last season just using analytics without you know knowing much about football at all. Mm-hmm. And I. As you mentioned, like pandemic was a big uh, motivation for me to start playing FPL because I was getting bored at home. Right, mm-hmm. and right. then um, and then I realized people are not uh, relying on analytics that much in FPL, unlike other fantasy sports where uh, like analytics is just uh, very common. Yep. And so I was trying to teach people how to use analytics and also encourage them, uh, and especially from a prescriptive analytics point of view, what I do at work, for such as optimization and simulation. Yeah, and, and it's it's working for you. Uh, this is your second season, as you mentioned, and you're right around 7,000 overall in the world right now? Yes, that's right. <laughs> and you mentioned in the article pretty emphatically with the models and the tools that you're using, uh, you're quite confident that any FPL manager can beat the field and if not beat other really engaged managers. So you're, you're really confident that these, these tools help. Yes, but also I should also mention that last year I finished around 300K so I mean, first year though, <laughs> yeah, first year. So I didn't know much. Yeah, just mishandling the chips uh, can, can, can blow up your rank. Yeah, yeah. right, oh, precisely. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I believe like analytical tools and methods we have now is a pretty big advantage compared to the field, and mainly it's coming from this because FPL is a uh, what I call a multi-period. Uh, knapsack problem where you are trying to choose 15 players out of 600 every game week. So I was thinking about it when I first heard about FPL, I realized it's the perfect game to apply optimization because you need to know like which fixtures are coming for which players and which players are more promising and you need to manage your budget. It's a great example of using it's it's a great it's a great problem to apply optimization techniques. So mm-hmm. I was uh, so, so I am fairly confident that like optimization or like analytical tools we have would give a big advantage over field. Spo- spoken like a true scientist, right, John? So like not not <laughs> yeah. really truly committing to one thing here. I was thinking. <laughs> I was just thinking in my head like uh, half of our listeners right now will think of that as. Um, 
like I want to do that right away. And the other half <laughs> is like sees it as a challenge. Like, ah, I bet I can, you know, I bet I can beat you my way, you know, my sort of, you know, so it's, I feel like there's a real split right now. I'm starting to lean more into the data. I, I feel like it's, I, it's, it's sort of like if you can't beat them, join them. It's sort of my, <laughs> my new ap- approach here. So uh, we're going to get into um, kind of all, all of this talk. And, you know, as, as I was saying to, to start up before the pod, you know, started, Brent and I would normally ramble on here for about <laughs> 35 minutes before we uh, get into the actual content of the podcast, uh, just as is our want. But I, we're going to, we're going to skip most of that today because uh, we've got, um, I, I, we actually have two more full pods to do before the next game week kicks yeah. off. So um, I think we can save a lot of that conversation. Even next week we'll have, no, actually it'll be two weeks from now, right? We'll have, we'll have the end of game week. 23 to talk about well, that's, so, yeah, e- Egypt and Mo Salah next play on January 26th. So that is a huge uh, linchpin right. into yeah. our, our game week 24 planning. That's true. And the U S men, um, I, I yeah. think Christian Pulisic is, is coming back. For that. He's I in the squad. Yeah. He's in he the is. squad. Okay, yeah. great. So, uh, yeah, so we'll have some, some international football to talk about in next week's pod as well. But, um, just, you know, before we get into the, uh, our, our conversation, we had some questions from listeners and I, I threw in a few, uh, of my own as well. Um, I did want to just give a quick shout out to the always cheating top 10. Obviously we have one match still to go, uh, in the top 10, uh, in 10th, we've got Finn Solly in ninth, Matt P in eighth, Tor Hegna in seventh, Hendrik Matson in sixth is Andre Glushkov in fifth is Ruben Jiva, uh, in fourth, Ben Fowler, third, Sam McAfee. Second is Tor Evan Peterson, and in first is Daniel Mason Abraham, just locked uh, up there in first. And uh, someone had mentioned on, on Twitter that um, maybe we could mix it up a little bit with these top ten sometimes, top ten of the quarter, top ten of the month. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe on next week's pod we'll we'll mix it up, Brandon, a little bit, and we'll do top ten just to mix the names up a little bit. Uh, Daniel Mason <laughs> right. Abraham's name has been said on every podcast for twenty <laughs> yeah. pods in a row. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure everyone's sick of hearing about how amazing his his season is. <laughs> um uh well let's 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 quickly talk about patreon before we hit the break if you want to say thanks to me and josh and support the pod visit us at patreon.com slash always cheating and when you support us you get more fpl content in return that includes an extra ad free podcast each week uh you're entered into our monthly dean's list manager of the month award Lucas Dean looking amazing for Aston Villa with the 12 pointer this week. So that manager of the month award is, is growing in, in its esteem. Also our, our Slack chat, weekly uh, emails and everyone at the producer and and Volkswagen tiers get our make fantasy fun again, t-shirt shout out to our newest patrons, uh, Emmy Droge, FPL Zinn, Peter Frank, and Paul Gilchrist. Also a special shout out to Patreon supporter, Craig Jackson, who we bumped into at the football factory on Saturday morning, Josh, with his uh, Leeds contingent. And yeah. my God, uh, it was rowdy down there with a couple of Newcastle fans sprinkled in with the Leeds supporters who were losing their mind. I thought <laughs> Leeds played played pretty well. Defensive, they looked like more defensively resilient than they had in a, in a long time. I was yeah. kind of hoping for a result there for Leeds. Yeah, I think one nil one may have flattered uh, Newcastle a little bit, but they just, Leeds just lack a forward, and that just yeah. continues to be the, the, yeah. the major issue. Um, all right, so let's take a quick break, and, and like Brandon said, thank you to all of our Patreon supporters very, very sincerely, and thank you um, you know, for their energy and cheerfulness mm-hmm. uh, by and large. 99%, you know, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, precisely. All right, we'll take a break. We're going to get back to our interview with Sertal. Sir 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, we're back. So as we talked about, we're here with Sotop Chai talking about uh, analytics and FPL. And uh, as I mentioned before, we have a bunch of questions and I, just to for, for, you know, just so we kind of keep this uh, conversation, um, you know, on its tracks, I um, have broken the, these questions up into a couple different sections, uh, just, just so we can kind of flow here. And the question, the sections are an introduction to analytics and FPL. And then thinking, the section two is about how we actually use this data correctly and effectively. Uh, and then the, the third one is uh, just kind of what we think the future of FPL will look like and how much data is going to change FPL in the next the years to come. And, um, you know, and Sir Tub, you kind of mentioned this briefly before, but as somebody who did NFL fantasy for the first time in about 15 years uh, this, this last year, I was shocked by how much data there is, um, even just even just on the actual fantasy sites themselves, you know, uh, projections and things like that, just stuff that, you know, it's really, uh, it's quite different. So I, I think we're going to start to see some of that, some more of that in FBL. We really should, I think. So, um, all right, well, let's kick things off with, with section one here, an introduction to analytics. Um, so the question one comes from me. Josh Landon. And uh, the question <laughs> is, uh, one of the problems I have personally with FPL data is sometimes I'm overwhelmed by just how much of it there, there is, right? If you subscribe to the Hub or Fantasy Football Scout, you do get a- access to Opta, right? You can, you can, or mm-hmm. Opta data and you can, you can pour through this and then, but you know, you can sort of, you can create your own tables and charts and then you kind of scroll down and you just see there's hundreds of different outcomes, right? You know, that you can sort you know, events that you can, um, that you can capture and look at. Um, and, you know, I just find a lot of it hard to to sort of like, you know, put together and sort of use as like useful data. I feel like I'm, I feel like because I don't really know what to pick, I'm going to pick the wrong things or something like mm-hmm. that. And so I get a little intimidated sometimes. So, you know, I mean, maybe almost the easier way to start is, you know, you I, I presumably you built your own model, right? Uh, that you, in a, in a sense, right? You built your yes. own inputs, at least, you mm-hmm. know, the things that you're looking at. So, you know, what... What did you use? Like, what do you, what do you think are just some like really basic stats? If somebody's coming at stats in in fantasy for like the first time ever, and they've always just sort of watched the games on Saturday and Sunday, and then picked a player on Monday, you know, what could they add into their thinking that might make things um, a little easier for them? Maybe make them a little better. Yeah, I will. 
answer this in again in, as a like scientist i will say it depends on what you are looking at <laughs> oh sure. we're big fans of the phrase it depends on this podcast Arthur. <laughs> but yeah it's true there's a lot of data available and there are also lots of uh, websites are giving uh, opta data as you mentioned and then we also have other websites where you can access the raw um, data um so as I said, it, it depends on what you are trying to do. Um, I think the best place to start is actually checking what you have available uh, under your hand, like what kind of data these uh, websites are providing to you and which ones do you think makes more sense. So I know there are things like heat maps and also other kind of uh, like data available to mm-hmm. FBI managers now. But if you have been watching games, so you already have a good idea on like which players are playing closer to the goal, for example. So maybe that's not the most relevant thing to use. But if you are com- you are if you are trying to compare two players, for example, and so you can check their expected goal xG uh, stat. That's the also the stat I mentioned in the blog post, which I think is one of the most relevant. Uh, stat available uh, in terms of FPL and so fbref.com is also great for accessing these kind of underlying stats I think it's I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned fbref because I think what's what's not what what I only learned recently is that xg is not universal different websites offer different xg uh, numbers for players and for matches, and it depends on the model that they're using. You know, FBRF is a relatively new site, but you think that their XG data is the most reliable uh, from what's out there? So, yes, XG, as you mentioned, there are a lot, uh, there are different types of XG models. You can even collect data and build your, build your own XG model, mm-hmm. and I will actually talk about that uh, later too. The XG model FBREF uses is accepted as one of the most uh, accurate models Mm -hmm. available because they take defender positions and goalkeeper position into consideration too. And I should just mention that these models are still a working uh, process. So they have been building these models. They have been adding more details to these models. So these are... Uh, machine learning models, essentially. So if you keep adding more and more data and context right. to your data, it will get more and more accurate. Okay. So, But yeah, FPREF and their XG data seems to be the most accurate we have right now. So- so when you were so you know eighteen months ago or two years ago uh, when the when the challenge was issued by, by was it a coworker what a coworker what a friend or coworker or whatever um, to to jump into this game I mean you had to start somewhere right like you had to start accumulating ideas and thoughts and so what where did you start I mean where did you start to to you know to build your you know the the data that you were going to use so. Actually, let me mention this first, so it will make more sense to people. So there are different stage of, stages of analytics. And the first stage is descriptive analytics, where you collect data and describe what happens. And the second stage is called diagnostic uh, analytics, where you try to answer the question of why 
this happened. So mm-hmm. it could be like descriptive is like this player scored a goal and this player missed this, you know, very, uh, mm-hmm. this big chance. And then diagnostic analytics is just looks at the data and says that, oh, he missed because it wasn't his strong foot, for example. Mm-hmm. And then predictive analytics is actually trying to predict what will happen in the future, which is more relevant to FPL if you think about it. And then the fourth stage is called prescriptive analytics, where you use optimization or other kinds of methods to find what's the optimal decision you can give under the circumstances. And so since I am working on optimization in general, that's where my expertise is. The first thing I checked was, is there any prediction model available already? Because if there isn't, then I need to just collect raw data myself and then build my own model so that I can optimize my decisions. And so the very first thing I did when I joined FPL was checking if there's any prediction model available. And then um, I have seen there are a few. And I started using FPLReview.com, which is one of the most famous prediction models available. But so when I joined, I think that was the only one actually like I was aware. But in this season, it seems like everyone has their own prediction models. (laughs) And I have been (laughs) trying to keep up with it. I I was trying to check what other prediction models are giving to me. But. Yeah, essentially, since there's there's already a prediction model available, and I assume they are getting this raw data, processing it, and then building predictions, then the only thing remains for me is to take that as an input to my optimization and then optimize my decision. Got it. So you've, you, you and I and yeah, FPL review is something that we um, you know has come up a lot, um, especially in the last year or so, and they're they're friends with us through the the hub network, and so we're you know familiar with them too, and I know that. Um, you have um, like the the corridor of uncertainty, fellas. I don't know if you know that you, we rogue and and um, uh, Simon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Simon. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and Simon are you know do that podcast. And I, I listen to them this fall when they they do pods very infrequently. I think it's like once <laughs> every six a, weeks or so. Running joke too. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but they the, they did one this fall and it was like a model talk uh, episode where they sort of talked about the the modeling that they were doing. And I I thought it was really interesting. I mean, just there's sort of you know that 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 thought process and it's not something that I it's you know I wouldn't it's not like a I wouldn't do it, you know, like it's just not like a strength of mine, but I really enjoy reading about this and, and, you know, seeing what I can, what I can pull out of it. So, all right. So you find FPL review, but I mean, clearly you're not just going in there and, and using, I mean, like, you know, like using them, whatever they say, I mean, you've got to put your own kind of spin on it. Right. And so what are you, you know, what did you sort of find once you started using the FPL review data? Mm-hmm. So essentially, so the, Prediction models are useful in terms of like optimizing your decisions, of course, but uh, most of these websites are giving you certain tools and they are suggesting you transfers, uh, like which transfers are you know good for your team. Um, so I wanted to build my own optimization model. So given this data, like what can I do? Like how can I optimize these decisions? And uh, like coming from the industry, I know that these kind of optimization problems are actually really big in size. Like think like chess, for example, as an unsolved problem because the solution space is too big. And so 
So I get this data from FBI review, I download it, and then I wrote my own optimization model on top of it. And then I customized it in a way that it won't only suggest me the transfer for this game week, but also for future game weeks. And so that it allowed me to see, you know, what kind of path I can take in the future game weeks. And then if any decision is taking me somewhere that I don't really want, then I can actually ignore that suggestion and then find the one that I like the most. Got it. Okay. So XG, I know there's XG, uh, expected goals, XA, expected assists, yes. XG delta, which I believe rolls those up together, right? And is that a right, the right way to think about that? I think XG delta, I might be wrong. By the way, <laughs> I think XG Delta is the difference between XG a team has collected minus mm-hmm. XGC, the expected goals conceded. Okay. Uh, so it. it shows okay. the difference between how many goals you could have scored, essentially. So if it is negative, it means that you were expected to concede more than you can score. Okay. And then if it is positive, yeah, you were expected to score more than you concede. Got it. Okay, I'm sure there's people listening right now who are just rolling their eyes that I didn't uh, <laughs> that I didn't know this going into the the conversation. Um, all right. So, um, all right. So you mentioned FPL review, and and you know we talked a little bit about some people that that are that that you know are, are useful to follow out there. I mean, honestly, I think if, I feel like if people just follow you on on Twitter, um, and you're you're available on there, we'll we'll include all the relevant information in the in the show notes. So anybody yeah. who's you know, listening on their phone or whatever can pull it up. Um, and anyone you're sort of talking to, I feel like is going to fall into this world of people that are worth following and and listening to. Um, let's move on to the the next question that he said. Um, this is from Albert Edwards, and he said, "What's the most important thing you've learned since you started taking an EV?" optimization approach to playing FPL, right? So I assume that your thinking has changed over the last two years or so, right? Since you started. Yeah, that's true. So, so at the beginning of my first season, I was under the assumption that I can apply optimization to FPL using these uh, like data available and just, you know, call it a day. Like I have my model, I can, you know, let the optimization model play for me. So I don't need to do anything, but there are certain problems with applying an optimization model to FPL. And the first one, the, so the biggest problem or the most important thing I have learned is, um, so optimization model is very myopic uh, in reality because you don't have access to the entire season data. Like think like you, we know now that there will be double game weeks and blank game weeks in future. So you might want to keep your free hit chip, for example, uh, your second one. <laughs> <laughs> Is that true? No, I, I could have used a model a, a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a little bit difficult for me to figure out, you know, how to add chips into the model because... Right. Using chips is a very, in my opinion, a very manual decision. Like most people decide when they want to use their chips and then decide which players to transfer. And But these prediction models, they only give you at most like eight game weeks of data available. Like if you are at game week uh, like 23, mm-hmm. you only have data until 31. So like even if you optimize that period... You, you can't actually add game week uh, thirty-two into your model because you don't have the data. So you want to have a team that is sufficiently good for those game weeks. 
So that's a big challenge because you don't know what will happen. And yeah. I was talking with like veteran FPL managers, see how they were deciding, like even without using a model, like how many game weeks do you look in advance? Like is it five yeah. game weeks, three game weeks, eight game weeks? Yeah. Are you familiar and, with the with the transfer algorithm, uh, Mikkel Takvim's, um uh, yeah, so I am a Patreon supporter of his, and I, mm-hmm. it's, I, lo- I feel like this year it's gotten even more complicated, where he's got <laughs> sort of free hit twenty two, or just regular transfers, or wild. You know, it's like there's sort of there are times in a game week where he has four or five different tables for you to look at. You know, with with expected returns based on kind of every possible scenario, and um, I, I can see what you mean about how complicated it is. Yeah, exactly. Chips. I think. Yeah. I think. In, in the spirit of that, Josh, uh, we've got a question from IM who asks, uh, any recommended resources that we can use to self-teach data analytics in sport? So maybe it even it, it's not even a tool or a website that is specifically related to sport, but if I'm not really confident analyzing the numbers, even if these some of these tools can really visualize it for me... Um, how, what, are, what are your tips for people to just get more comfortable with the idea of data analytics? So it is a little bit hard to answer uh, because, like, from my background, I'm thinking that sports is just an application area of analytical methodologies we know. And so in order to apply analytics in sport, first of all, you need to be confident about analytical methods you want to apply. And then the question boils down to what you want to do with it. So if you are just trying to decide or if you are if you just want to use data as a tiebreaker between two players, then you don't actually need to know that much. You can just pretty much check the raw data and decide. Mm-hmm. But if you want to develop your own prediction model, then you need to probably take a course in machine learning and get familiar with how these prediction models are being created and then finally apply that knowledge to FPL. So, and, and I feel like, you know, just because I, I stepped on your answer a minute ago, I, I, I am sort of curious, um, you know, how much things... Uh, I mean, so you went from 330 to 7K this season, right? So you, mm-hmm. clearly your approach has shifted a little bit. Um, you're, or maybe, you know, I'm sure there's good fortune and all these other things and knowing how to play chips uh, and all that stuff. But I am curious if there's things that you do this season or things that you look at um, that you were not looking at, um, you know, last, last year. So, yeah, there is actually. But again, like my rank this year might be an outcome of how lucky I was because I was able to get like Bruno last game week just because I didn't want to take a hit. And so I got lucky with it. Suddenly um, it's a real FPL podcast. Even without, <laughs> even without Bruno, we're talking about 20K or something, right? It's still, you're still doing very well. Yeah. yeah. So last year I was just applying optimization and then it, I was getting the transfer suggestion. I was pretty much following whatever model gives to me. And I wasn't really sure what, you know, I was doing with it. So I was just applying it uh, game week to game week basis. Um, And then I met with other people who are, you know, playing analytically. But so they have been playing FPL for a long time and they started using analytics. So they know more about, you know, the, the dynamics in general. 
So this year, so differently, what I'm doing is I am optimizing, first of all, and then I get not only a single like suggestion, but I list my top 10 transfer suggestions. And then I take that list and I ask the managers I trust uh, and like which one of these make most sense to you and why. And pretty often they don't choose the, the, the transfer at the top. They usually choose the one that's at the third place because like they say things like, oh, if you go this route, like if you do the first transfer, you will, um, your team structure will break down and then you will have troubles in future because you are putting too much money into your midfield and then you won't be able to get any good defenders, for example. Mm-hmm. That's very hard to add to the model. So you need someone's uh, opinion on it and someone mm-hmm. who has experience in FPL. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, that's something that um, has been sort of taught to me going back to this, um, the Transfer Hub, which is an old uh, website that used to be around a long, long time ago um, with uh, Nick Cummings, um, who, uh, uh, but he was very big. I and mean, he's, he's had several seasons in the top, you know, at least top 5K. Um, and he was, um, yeah, very big on team structure. And it's something that has sort of been hammered into my head as well. And I sort of, mm-hmm. anytime that I have an unbalanced team, you know, like I briefly had uh, Lukaku and Ronaldo a while mm-hmm. ago, I sort of, my head, I was always thinking this is not, this cannot last, you know, <laughs> like this, this structure will break down and it's just, it's, it's, you know, it's not going to work. And so it, inevitably it does too. I feel like it's very rare. There's a f- sort of famous season a few years ago, uh, the, the Sterling, um, or not, not no, it was uh, Suarez, Aguero, and um, so uh, Daniel Sturridge. Yeah. yeah, the SAS forward lines. Mm-hmm. It's an incredible season <laughs> where all three of them, I think, had scored more than 20 goals. And it was the, it's the one year you could get away with a really unbalanced, um, <laughs> it's like 40 million in your, in your front line. Um, all right, well, let's let's uh, keep going with some questions here because I think um, there's some really interesting ones. And uh, we're going to move on to section two here. Um, and, you know, we can always double back and, and talk about some of these other things as well as we go. Um, Ian has a question. He says, what do you think is the biggest, most common misconception about FPL analytics? And I, I think this is, you know, just before you answer, I mean, I think this is something that um, there is kind of a a wall that some people put up. And I, I think there's just a fear of having to learn a bunch of new things. Right. I mean, it's just like, it's kind of, exa- you know, and it's sort of people just like, you know, roll their eyes at extra. I mean, I'm sure you've seen this on Twitter, right? Yeah, like yeah, people yeah, just sort of do this and it, it's sort of, um, you know, it's just, it feels like it's the kind of thing that happens a lot when any, when anything new pops in. I remember Brandon and I, um, you know, we had an old, a podcast long before this and we used to roll our eyes at Twitter. You know, we just, we said long as <laughs> we just make fun of like, who's ever going to yeah. use this thing? You know, yeah, this, this website that I'm on all the time now. Um, you know, so anyway, so what do you think is, uh, you know, a really common or you know, common mistakes or misconceptions that people have about data FPL? So I think the most common misconception is they, people expect analytics to work as a silver bullet, like as if it's a magic pill and then you will apply analytics and suddenly you will get better at it. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of a process. And then the, the football is, you know, at sports where rare events happen, like there are random events occur in every game. Like, for example, Dennis Redcard, sorry for reminding you again. Right. Um, <laughs> so and there are lots of probabilistic events happening. So the best models we can have is just can, you know, give you an average at best. But it is still like a probabilistic at the end of the day. So a player can get a hole, like they can get like two digit uh, returns. 
And so most of these things are probabilistic. So for example, uh, you know, whenever we say player A is ex expected to get more points than player B, I mean, it's not certain. So there's a probability associated with it, but it doesn't mean that player B cannot get more points than player A. And then when the when it happens, when player B gets more points, people say, haha, analytics were wrong. <laughs> right. So we were right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But that's But would you suggest things. though that if you if you stick with the model, if you stick with the probability over the course of four to six game weeks, you're gonna see the 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 predictive analytics actually win out, right? Yeah, that's that's what I'm thinking. And yeah. I think think that's why in other fantasy sports like analytics is already big especially where uh, whenever there's money is involved people tend to stick with the models and i think that's also true for uh, poker um, mm -hmm. where like you are trying to maximize your like expected value or the average case hoping that in the long term you will win more uh, so in short term, yes, like you can get very unlucky outcomes, but as the as you get more and more game weeks in FPL, so you are expected to score uh, significantly more than other people. Yeah, I, I, the one thing I think is sort of interesting, and I've seen this with um, uh, I, you know, Simon is, is someone I think who, who who does this a lot on on, on Twitter, and there's sort of. Um, it seems like one of the benefits of, and I think Brendan, that you and I have talked about this before, but one of the mm -hmm. benefits of having a model or even an approach, and this is probably true no matter what you do. I mean, we have a friend of ours, our friend Eric, who his his goal is just to have fun, and mm -hmm. but he, you know he's a smart guy, he follows the sport, and so it often works, right? It's a you know if you're paying a lot of attention, it's a, it's another way to go. It doesn't it's it's maybe less likely to guarantee success, but it's another approach. But um, you know if you have an, an approach that you're going to take and you're going to, you trust the approach, it's, you, you don't really lose the same way, right? Because you sort of did, you made the smartest decision you could make and it's a little easier to live with outcomes. I think, you know, if you, if you, if you do that. And I think, I think it's when you're, when you're sort of scrambling around looking for different ideas, maybe this week I'm going to use data this week. I'm going to use my, <laughs> my inst, you know, my instincts or whatever. Mm -hmm. That's when you're like, I don't even know if I did the right thing. And that's, that is actually one of the reasons why I'm trying to be a little more data friendly is because I just, I, I just don't want to have that feeling anymore. Like, did I do the right thing? I don't even know, you know? And so. Yeah, exactly. So we often mention this as a big benefit of using analytics in FPL, because if things doesn't go right, you can always blame your, you know, luck because you know that you did the right thing. You didn't, yeah. you know, take any yeah. uh, like big chances and, uh, people were actually making like snarky comments on this. They were saying that, oh, these analytics guys are just, you know, funny. When things go right, they're uh, just smug. And when things go wrong, they just blame their luck. So they never lose. And then yeah. they were getting mad at us. <laughs> hey, we should all do that. It's like, again, if you can't beat them, join them. Just, you know, it, it seems like the way, sure. to, the, it's the way to live, like to move through life that way. Um, <laughs> I think right. we have a pretty good yeah, case go study here, Josh. Mm -hmm. And this question mm -hmm. comes from AJ. And it's been two or three minutes since we mentioned Emmanuel Dennis. So here we go. AJ <laughs> says, you know, someone had to ask. Since game week 12, <laughs> Emmanuel Dennis has scored 54 FPL points versus Josh King's 27. Yet the analytics continue to favor King. How do you explain situations like these? Now, one week, 
as as we're suggesting, right, Sartolp, you can maybe blame Locke, or, mm-hmm. or but but over this period, much more extended period of time with the Watford strikers, it's it it gets a little more murky. So, what do you think about that situation between Dennis and King? So that's actually a difficult question to answer. I mean, I will say this not from only. Uh, point of view of FPL, but football in general and foot, football betting in particular, they they are trying to deal with these kind of stuff too. So they are trying to predict which player is more likely to score a goal so that you can bet on that player, right? So they are trying to use, you know, whatever is available to them. And we know that underlying stats, sort of are bring this up again, but underlying stats are... Uh, a better predictor of future returns than actual goals or assists. And in this particular case, I mean, just think like you have two different uh, dice. And so you can still can get, you know, number six multiple times consecutively. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that, you know, oh, there's something going on here. I need Mm -hmm. to, you know, have a deeper look at it. And, for this particular case, I know this is a very, very sensitive issue for many players, but <laughs> I should also remind people that, uh, like, even for expected goals, as I mentioned, it's a machine learning model at the end, and these models, they all have an error rate. I mean, it's a small error, yes, but it means that there are stuff that is not included in these models. Like, for example, we have mentioned that some of the XG models, they don't have defender positions and goalkeeper position in it, Mm-hmm. which makes a big difference on actual returns, right? If the goal is empty if, or if there's a goalkeeper, a good goalkeeper especially, then, I mean, the outcome is going to change, obviously. So, Still don't know what to make of that Raheem Sterling versus uh, Fraser <laughs> Forster uh, this weekend. That was, uh... that was insane, yeah. Okay, so uh, the uh, Paul Parson says uh, a single attack with a rebound and a tap-in can have an XG of more than one, whereas a marginal off- offside decision leads to an XG of zero. Uh, how do you take into account all the various anomalies when building your own models? And I actually didn't—I did not realize that—that that, um, an offside goal has an XG of, of zero. Yeah, That's they don't report it. So at the end of the day, you, they only count the shots that are actually you know valid or legal, and so. So this is a very, again, a detailed question in terms of like building your own prediction model. So, so the Pareto principle says that 80% accuracy will come from 20% of your work, right? If you put into a model. So things like adding a goal that was called as offsite, so it, which doesn't appear in any of the you know, websites like FBREF, that is the extra mile that you can go hmm. and edit into your model. Interesting. And okay. I know that uh, some websites, like I think FBI Review, has its own XG model. And I don't know the details, of course, because um, they don't, uh, or he doesn't share yeah, the details. Sure. But yeah. Yeah. I suspect that from an FBL perspective, so de- these kind of details can be added to the model if you are trying to, you know, build the most accurate uh, prediction model. But most often, so I also searched 
like I was wondering the same question actually, and I was searching about it. So sports analytics people working in this field, they think if your model is sensitive enough to add an offside goal, if it will change the outcome of your model significantly, then the, your model is probably not that good and because it's too sensitive to a single event. But in FPL, I understand the reason for asking this question because we are comparing you know, two players and if this player had an extra you know, shot where an, a high XG is added, then it might tilt the balance in favor of that player. So it is a hard question, but if you can go to extra mile, then you will probably get rewarded. That's what well, that's, I believe. That's a good answer. So in other words, the probably the best sites are are doing this or are at least, you know, including this or thinking about this. Well, there you go, Paul Parsons. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you've been put in your place. Um, I have a couple of questions here about the uh, about the the future of, of data in FPL. And uh, one comes from Jens. He says, uh, some years back, Simon March, another person I very Twitter-heavy podcast, but Simon March is another person I enjoy following on Twitter. Uh, Simon March uh, won FPL after seeing only a handful of matches re- relying almost entirely on stats. This is before you were playing, Sir Top. I don't know if you're familiar yeah. with this story. It's well-known. I think he was in Asia doing some Singapore, sort of, I think was it was. It Singapore, yeah. yeah, doing work. And so he just wasn't able to watch the matches. They were all on at you know 2 a.m. Or, or whatever. And so... And so, but he won just basically just using data, you know, just being, being smart about it. Um, it says, uh, can we learn from this or was it just a one-time occasion? I mean, do you think that you, do you think that you need to watch a single match in order to, to do well at, at fantasy? Oh, that's a, again, tough question. So <laughs> first of all, I don't know the exactly, as you mentioned, I don't know the details of Simon's gameplay in terms of what kind of data he actually used and, However, I don't think this is a one-time occasion. I mean, I don't watch games that often. I usually watch a game or two, depending mm-hmm. on how much time I have. I wasn't really watching last season, to be honest. But even if I watch games, I never take my subjective opinion into my decision-making. Like It's not like I watched you know, Jota missing a goal and then I'm coming in, in front of my PC and then selling him immediately right right so and one of the highest ranked players of all time i'm sure uh, it has been discussed before but fabio and he works for a sports betting website as far as i know and he also mentioned this that he relies on stats heavily mm-hmm. um and it's fabio borges by the way very very famous uh fpl manager that he was uh in our always treated super league i think he still is and he but he was he was just for years and years, um, you know, top yeah. of the top 10 uh, in the table. And it was remarkable. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I think he's number one in the Fantasy Football Scar Hall of Fame at the moment. Yeah, so, yeah, so. yeah, great reputation. So, yeah, he's historical finishes because we know that he plays with data for the most part. And he also mentioned that in one of his interviews that he doesn't watch that many games and he relies on data more. Um, his historical finishes usually give an idea that, you know, you don't really need to watch games, you know, to be good at FPL, even though I know this is a little bit controversial. Well, I, I think, I mean, only if you want it to be, right? <laughs> I mean, I think that, like, to me, it's almost, you know, there's there's winning a game, right, which is what this is. There's winning a game, and then there's enjoying matches. And yeah. exactly. it seems like I'm not sure that, you know, you have to, 
play the game like you watch matches, right? You know, I don't think you have to play the game passionately, right? I think the the game can can sort of you can still enjoy the matches while having this game sort of running, you know, sort of exactly. like like alongside it, you know. <laughs> I that, I have a so I have a question for you, Sartal, based sure. on that. So you know, the games that you do watch. If, if Josh and I are watching the games, like it is very, uh, ang- we're just like riddled with anxiety. Like everything <laughs> we, we're seeing yeah. is impacting our, in, our, and how it relates to our fantasy team is impacting how we're enjoying the match. And then it spills over into our decision-making yeah. for the next week. I mean, do we you, wouldn't have this podcast if we didn't do that. <laughs> no, no, yeah. That's not necessarily a bad thing. That's in our own weird way, how we make fantasy fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but Sartal, do you feel like, your approach, your analytics approach allows you to separate those parts of your brain? Like when you're watching a football match or a Premier League match, do you find you're able to detach yourself from FPL a bit more? Are you asking this from a perspective of if I am enjoying the game? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. This, yeah, not not from a scientific point of view, but yeah. <laughs> it, I So many managers, like they can't really turn off that um part of their mind where they're constantly thinking about their fantasy team and how what they're seeing in the match is impacting their fantasy team or impacting their decisions but if you sartalt know that at the end of the match all you need to do is then just go look at the data um you're able to sort of remove a lot of that anxiety maybe from your premier league watching experience yeah so I think when I'm watching games, I'm not quite stressed about, you know, like watching players individually and making sure that I'm, you know, tracking the players that I'm interested in. Obviously, if a player is in my team and if they do well, I've, you know, I get the joy of, you know, being right and having <laughs> have that feelings. Player. This is good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But again, if things go wrong, I know that this is just a probabilistic outcome. I mean, I mean, this game week is especially, you know, I know that it's yeah. bad for everyone, but I think yeah. all of my players blanked except Jota, <laughs> who got a very lucky assist. Yeah. Um, so Controversial. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, so, you know, I watch games and I still have, you know, fun watching the games. And actually this season, I convinced my wife to play FPL with me mm-hmm. and she... Uh, she she's also an operations research specialist, so she does optimization too. So and it is actually quite fun because our teams are not always the same. So sometimes it leads to you know a, you know a friendly you know challenge at home, like to see yeah. you know who will wash dishes. <laughs> if they, you know what they say, Josh. Points. The family that optimizes together stays together. That's so. right. Yeah. I have never, yeah, I think I maybe floated the idea to my wife once about her playing uh, fantasy and she shut it down uh, very quickly. Had no, no, no interest at all. Um, so I think we have one last question here. And I think, you know, I honestly, they're kind of, I, I've got two, but I think they're really kind of the same questions. I'm just going to answer Hibbo's here. And he says, um, Hibbo, another friend of ours from, from the hub, he says, when we look at the high flying ranks across, across Twitter this season, and the success of algorithms such as Mikkel Talkbaum and FPL Review, do you think that FPL is moving towards being solved, sort of the way that limit poker has maybe been been solved a little bit? What do you think about that? I think solved 
is a big word, is a big claim. I mean, uh, so I will try to be careful uh, of what mm-hmm. I'm saying here. For pro- probabilistic games like FPL, so you can maximize your chances of winning, but obviously you can't guarantee anything at the end of the day. So if we play FPL for next 100 years, <laughs> so I can actually maximize my chances. So I can expect me winning more than uh, a player who doesn't actually use any of these methodologies. But again, I mean, this year is par- particularly a good season for analytical players because the players we picked got lucky. I mean, that's pretty much it. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm sure, I mean, we maximize the probability of this and we actually have tools now that can calculate the probability of entering into top ranks like top 10K. I mm-hmm. think my uh, analysis says I, my probability was around 30%. I mean, and I'm in top 10K now, which means that there was 70% chance that I won't be, like, I wouldn't be inside top 10K, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, so, but maybe 30% is the maximum or maybe 40, 50. I don't know the exact figure for on this. But so you can maximize your chances. And in the long term, you are expected to win more. Like I have maybe a bigger chance of winning FPL. But, it doesn't mean that a player who doesn't do anything analytically, you know, just going with the gut feeling, can't win FPN. I mean, that's a wrong. Sta- that will be a wrong statement. I'm sure. No, we've seen I mean, it. You know, in past years, so we know. Yeah, we know it can happen. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, well, I think that's. I think that's interesting. I mean, I, I. It makes me wonder if you know ultimately the game right now it's like you know the fpl is sort of set up like a like an eight million person game of golf right where you sort of have everybody's competing in the same tournament and that that yeah. lends itself to a kind of sameness that i think you know with the rise of the day we're seeing a lot more of and it, it's surprising how quickly it's happened i mean you know and maybe part of it's because i i've been sort of moving between i think i got up to 6k and i'm 34k and i've sort of been in that range for about 15 weeks now. And so once you get up there, you are going to see teams that are very similar because obviously the teams that have, that are doing well are going to have very similar players in in many cases. But I'm just surprised how quickly people are moving to the same transfer, right? That's sort of like X player to X player just happening so much more than it ever used to or the X keeper in, you know? And so I think that's, that's what has surprised me a little bit. And so it makes me wonder if ultimately we, we, the game has to change in some way or we move towards a NFL style game where you have maybe like teams of 12, you know, and you sort of compete against each other and you sort because that, that's a little harder to solve, right? Because you do have the draft process and you, you don't all have the same players. I think that everyone yeah. having the same players is the problem. I, I had this idea recently that they should start to, um, uh, increase the bench that they should have, <laughs> let people have, you know, three, four, five, six, seven, eight players in the bench. And I thought that might lead to a little more variety in terms of, you know, teams. So, yeah, as you mentioned, so you are playing against other people. We are not only trying to maximize your expected score, but you are also trying to beat the other manager, right? Especially in mini leagues, that's a much more uh, like common scenario. Um, there are also like ways to calculate probability of you overscoring your rival. I mean, you, you obviously you need to go with different players or if you are leading the competition, it makes more sense for you to, you know, get the, almost the same team 
so that I mean, if you are you have a good lead, then you will just finish on top on top of the league. So, so there are different again strategies when it comes to this uh, particular thing. But um, since we are trying to win FPL in general, so I'm not actually looking at particular like rival, but rather than I'm looking at the field. And by the way, so this is also a very common question: like, should we consider expected on uh, sorry effective ownership into our decision making process? which actually makes decisions a little bit more biased towards players who are highly owned in the field. So optimization, from an optimization perspective, it, effective ownership doesn't matter in general. But psychologically, you know that when Ramsdale gets a clean sheet, I mean, we all cry if we don't <laughs> have him, right? Right. So it's right. a big <laughs> issue, which is... Yeah, I suppose the the concern with FPL being solved or the rise of predictive models is that each week every manager is going to transfer in the exact same player and have the exact same team. But I don't. I think there, that that lacks creativity. Like the predictive models that you're working with, you can actually go like maybe this is the best player and everyone's going to bring him in. Um, you can use a model to find another player. You and you can accept the risk, right? That I'm not getting the best player that the model suggests, but I'm willing to take a risk um, on another player within the model, right? That you know, and so there are creative ways to use analytics that aren't just necessarily driving everyone to make the same decision and have the same team. Exactly. Like for example, in our like analytic league, I knew that you know everyone will be captain and king because you know <laughs> because of the discussion we just had yeah. and if i was in a position that i was trying to you know get the first place if it was the last game week of the season i'm sure i will be captaining someone else just so that i can maximize my chances i mean this is also mathematically correct by the way like i don't have a way to calculate it right now but i know for a fact that that's what you should do. Like you should find the player who has the second highest expected points and captain that player instead, for example. So even if everyone is playing optimally, so you can use it to your own advantage and exploit it just like in, you know, other games like. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Kind of basic kind of game theory, right? Yes. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Well, cool. Well, this is, this is great. I feel like we could go on, uh, down a bunch of different roads, but I, you know, I, I promised you, uh, in and out in an hour. So let's, we'll, we'll stick to that. So, uh, Sir Chai, thank you so much for joining us on the pod today. And I uh, really appreciate it. You know, I just really enjoyed just hearing you sort of think through this process. And so maybe I feel like it's, I mean, part of the goal, I feel like before you even start to get into the models or what you're going to use, it's just, just demystifying everything. Right. And making it and, and just making it very clear that these are like this is not like people sitting behind supercomputers or whatever. It's just normal people looking at models and making rational decisions based on the data that they're seeing. That, that's all it is. Right. It, this is not like some revolution that's going to make you not enjoy your, your sport any longer. Right. It, this is not what, what's happening here. And so I think that it's, it's good to, to, to just have somebody on and, and talk through it a little bit. So I really, really appreciate that. Yeah, exactly. And first of all, thanks for having me. Thanks for uh, inviting me. It was quite fun for me too. And yeah, I agree. So 
so just because you are using analytical models doesn't mean that you can have you know fun. That's also another you know big, big misconception that if you use analytics, it will ruin the fun in FPL. Right. I don't right. think that way. And yeah, Sartol. So I'm sure some of our listeners are ready to dive in. Is there a way for our listeners to access the tools that? you've created or the models that you've created again we're going to share a link to the mm -hmm. the article that i think is really illuminating in the mm -hmm. show notes but what's the best way to follow you and and access some of the tools that you have um so i keep a website called fploptimized.com uh, and i usually like put all of my work uh, there and yeah. it's an open source website so people can actually investigate you know what's uh, under these models, what I'm doing actually with the data, how I am using it. Uh, but even more than that, we have a, a FPL analytics Discord server uh, where we encourage people to ask questions, collaborate. And so if people are curious about, you know, how to use data, it, it could be as basic as, you know, what's XG or mm -hmm. if they have like problems like or questions like I have built a prediction model, but so this kind of detail I'm not able to figure out. So they can come ask questions. If they are already using analytics, I will also uh, invite those people so that they can help others. So at the end of the day, I am actually... So some people are actually angry at me for actually <laughs> teaching other people how to use analytics in FPL because they they are saying that the competition is getting harder as uh -huh. we make these models <laughs> more accessible. <Okay. laughs> but um, I want people to learn analytics because of FPL because I think it's a good reason to learn and analytics is just amazing that you can use it in your you know other parts of your life. So FPL mm -hmm. is such a good reason to learn these kind of stuff and uh, people have been actually changing jobs because they have learned how to, you know, model a prediction model. So they were able to find, you know, different jobs. Like they were high school students asking me, you know, which kind of like majors are giving this kind of like analytical advantage and they cool. went into those yeah. programs. It's just amazing to me. <laughs> Uh, well, that's great. Well, I, I, I kind of feel the same way. I mean, and I feel like I, I've definitely become more data friendly, but kind of my whole life, honestly. I, I was a baseball fan as a kid and every, you know, it's a very common thing. I know a lot of economists grew up as baseball fans, too. I just, you know, reading the box scores and it's a great way to, to, to start getting comfortable with numbers. Um, well, once again, thanks. Thanks for coming on. And uh, just a, a one class quick shout out. Uh, Brandon mentioned where, you can, where, he can, where people can find you. And I just wanted to note, um, if anyone wants to support the podcast or talk to us during this international break, talk about the U.S. men's national team or whatever, uh, go to patreon.com slash always cheating uh, to say thank you. Uh, Brandon, do you want to thank our producer patrons? Yeah, big thanks to our producers, Mike DiPietro and uh, Mike and Dave Wagner-Lodal and also Eric Freeman. Thank you guys for participating in this week's Patreon. Patreon pod for a great NFL fantasy discussion. So thanks, Mike DePietro, Trevor Ingerson, Chris Howell, Andy Penn, Martin Savage, Brian T. Big Gaffer, Bobas Kuhn, Jeff Husby, Ben Grant, James Holland, the aforementioned Dave Wagner, Lodal, Nick Wright, Jim Payne, Brian Chin, Blair Jacobson, Travis West, 
Victor Forberg, Skogame, Paul Herzig, Andy Portlock, Toothless Gibbon, Lindsay Rostel, Anton Markov, at FPL Merch, Carrie Swanson, Kieran Screeton, Francis Mann, Chris Carter, Blue Nose Stew, Mikey Uwong, Bruce Kerr, Sam Shower, Rich Evans, Future Media Group, FPL, Ben Sweeney, George Kinney, Shub Morjaria, Ram Frost, AJ, Jeremy Spiker, Lazarus Yanos, Jesse Halstead, Matthew Becker, Caleb Robbie, Todd Byerly, Alper Paxoy, Martin Osbeth, Lee Hickman, Volger Paulson Kruger, Jazz Binning, Francis Moore, Managed by Lasso, James Keatley, Keegan Walsh, The Saint, and FPL Pessimist. Rate, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Hell Cheaters, Instagram at Hell Cheaters, email hellcheaters at gmail.com for all this information and more. Find us at alwayscheating.com. Once again, big thanks to Sartalp Chai for joining us on this week's pod. Uh, Josh, any last words? Uh, nope. Uh, just uh, I'll, I'll say another thank you as well. And uh, yeah, everyone, uh, take a break from 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 uh, from football. I think that's yeah. really my advice. <laughs> take like four, at least four days off, a solid four, and then maybe on Friday you can start watching some national football again. But I think I'm ready for a break myself. So. Indeed, it is yeah. time to recharge. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, talk to you guys later. Bye. Mm-hmm.